0: Welcome to Amateur Hour. My name is Chris Davis, and Ben's the one on vacation this week. Yeah, when we uh, decided to come back with Amateur Hour, we thought our schedules were going to line up a lot better than they have so far, um, but uh, not to worry. Uh, our different schedules kind of means we're more available for guests, so we should be able to crank out an episode every week. It's just some weeks it might be me doing an interview, and some weeks it might be him, and some weeks it'll be both of us again. Because, I mean, big part of why I wanted to do this again was to do something else, you know, with Ben since we don't see each other in person so much anymore. But uh, I thought I'd take this opportunity to share an interview I did earlier this year, um, while I was doing my internship with Carolina Champions League. Carolina Champions League is a youth league uh, based out of North and South Carolina. And I got to know a lot of interesting clubs and personalities and different people, some of which I'll have on this podcast later on this year. But uh in the meantime, I really wanted to share with you guys my most popular episode I had on Dive Into Development, the podcast I did for the league, in which I interviewed Johnny Sinclair, the founder of the Matthews Mavericks. The Matthews Mavericks is by no means the biggest team in the league, but uh, they have a unique mission, at least for the United States, where they provide free soccer for all of their players. And they do this through the generous donations of others of either you know fields or different types of resources or money and uh it was just a really awesome story that a lot of people seem to connect with so i thought i'd share it on here in case any of you didn't catch it so if you didn't here's that interview now with johnny sinclair of the matthews mavericks and joining me today is the founder of the matthews mavericks johnny sinclair how's it going johnny
1: hey chris how you doing bud thanks for having me
0: doing great thanks for joining me so uh johnny i really appreciate you reaching out to us as well to be on the podcast uh i was really excited to learn about you guys um And you yourself are the founder. I'm curious, uh, what inspired you to start the club in
1: 2019? Yeah, it's like a a long-term goal of mine, to be honest. Um, You may hear from the accent, like a lot of the coaches around here, I guess. Like I I didn't grow up in the US. I Mm. grew up in Europe. And for me, like, Soccer has been like the biggest part of my life. Like mm-hmm. all my best friends, all my best memories, like my wife ultimately um, stemmed from soccer connections. Mm. And then moving to the US when I was 22, I came out here to coach soccer um, with the New York, New Jersey Metro stars as they oh. were just back then. Yeah. The Red Bull. Um, I came out for three months and I'm still here like <laughs> close to 20 years later <laughs> with much less hair. So um, it's one of these where, I was shocked by the cost of youth soccer in the US. It mm-hmm. really did. Um, I, again, having my whole youth in Europe and having access to playing pretty much every day. Um, the fact that it costs so much money to be involved in youth soccer, just it, it baffled me. And mm-hmm. I get it. Like you, this feels to rent and there's insurance that is a big deal in the US. And it's not easy to have the logistics when you've got large cities um, that are having thousands of kids playing. But something always bugged me that, there should be a way to give kids a chance to play Mm -hmm. um, at a more affordable rate. And it took me close to 20 years to ultimately bite the bullet and start it. But in 2019, it was actually after the, you may have seen on the website, I know you said you did some research there. It was when the U.S. men's team, men's national team, didn't make it to the 2018 World Cup Mm -hmm. um, and Panama did. And I was like, something's not right. Right. (laughs) Something's not right with how it's all structured and um and that was kind of the the, the straw that broke the camels back in terms of i decided i had to chat with my wife and i was like you know what? i'm gonna start like a, a a mini a mini club it'll be wrecked to begin with just to give kids a chance to play soccer for yeah. free like completely free and I think first session we had like six kids come out, Mm -hmm. and two of them were my own. So it's like (laughs) my my son, my daughter, and four of their friends, I think it was. And then the next week we had 12 come out, and then we had 25 come out. And it was like, oh, okay. Um, and we were just wrecked to begin with. And all of a sudden there was some there were some talented little players that were coming out to our Friday night pickup sessions. And I got to the point and where I Phoned Ahmed and said, "Listen, like, what would it take for me to get some of these kids who come and play pickup, like, to play some competitive league games?" Yeah. And um, the the big the big thing for me about the Carolina Champions League was how flexible they were and how supportive they were for a a non-existent club as we were at the time mm-hmm. to get involved. And I, I can't thank them enough. But that long story short, like, that's kind of where it stemmed from. I I, I always had a desire from my own background, from having played the game my whole life, I still play. I think that kids need to have an access point. Um, Money shouldn't be a barrier for anyone. And unfortunately it is for some. So we're trying to just do a small thing in the community. We only have three competitive teams. It's all we can afford to do when we're offering it for free because we rely completely, completely on donations and it's not easy to get. Um, But yeah, that's, that's it. The U S men's national team not making the world cup was the, the straw that created the matthews mavericks basically
0: wow so so how do you go about you know i suppose uh pitching to those donors and things like that that you're trying to start something different because like you said it's not common to have a free club in, in yeah. america so how do you go about doing that and how do you, i just imagine the logistics of being able to set all that up can be pretty tricky
1: it's very tricky yeah <laughs> it's extremely tricky and especially when uh, again, we, we started as a non-profit. I don't work full-time in soccer. Like, I, I have a regular job. Right. And I, Matthews Mavericks is my my hobby, if you will, mm. on evenings and weekends. Um, but honestly, I have some family members. Some of the players that are in our club, the parents are unbelievable. They, mm-hmm. they really are. And they love the best. We've got players who could go and play Charlotte Independence, could go play CSA, could go play Barcelona. They could. They're, mm-hmm. they're talented enough. But they like being a part of our journey um they understand their kids probably not getting the highest level of training versus some of the others but for them it's like it's the more intrinsic reward of being a part of something that is um like hopefully changing the mindset a little bit so we have a core group of parents in our club that just help me like they volunteer they just help me get so much word out help me with all their little small connections um personally to um to, to bring in small amounts of money. And honestly, we, we do have a, a bit of a shoestring budget. Um, mm. we, we deliberately keep costs extremely low, like our three competitive teams, they only train once a week but they, and they share a field. So we rent one field a week and that's their training session. And then anything yeah. on top of that is the, the pickup style stuff where um, it, it's not necessarily formal coaching, but they still get a chance to play. Um, the uniforms we have very low cost uniforms because we only have to buy 50 sets we're not buying thousands of jerseys yeah. so it's very it's very manageable at this point it, it'd be difficult to make it scalable for sure um, but it's manageable at this point just because we have a small playing um like staff if you will i play, yeah. play, play, roster roster size um at, but i can't i can't thank the parents enough again we've got probably 10 parents that just treat this like their second job and mm-hmm. completely volunteer go out spread the word we had one recently actually the our spring season fundraiser was a family within the club donated a beach house a two-night stay at the, a beach house so wow. they, they offered this beach they said put it out for a raffle and we were hoping we'd make a thousand dollars maybe on mm-hmm. raffle ticket sales we're doing the drawing today like one of the one of the kids is going to do the drawing today so i'm excited to see who wins it <laughs> But we've raised four and a half thousand dollars. Nice, from, like people's grandparents like throw in twenty five bucks. It's and it's amazing how it adds up. And four and a half thousand dollars for a club like us is like it pays for the whole season. It rents right. all the fields, our liability insurance, and and it's again, I, I, it's it's one of those each season we do have to like worry about. Okay, are we going to be able to afford it? Are we going to be able to afford it? But at the same time, the parents have stepped up, the families have stepped up. The local community have stepped up. We had one, uh, one grandparent of a of a player of ours. A grandparent came and watched our Friday night rec program, where we have all we have all walks of life. We have five year olds, twelve year olds, highly talented players, kids who have never played before. They came and watched it, loved it, and wrote a check last last year from their business to to cover the cost of the four season for us. And it's it really is amazing and so rewarding to see the generosity that when you try to do something nice for the community, like the community gives back.
0: Wow. That 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 sounds awesome. I, uh, it, It's definitely inspiring. I'm curious on the rec side though. Uh, I imagine you have more kids involved with that than on the competitive side. Uh, so how does that work as far as like, cause th- do you rent a field for that event as well? Or do you go to like a park? Uh, how, how does that work?
1: So we, um, the rec program was our, was our bait. I call it, it was the baby. It's what started. Yeah. It was the, initial, um, let's get this going. And I talked about generosity earlier. I I'm heavily involved in the adult soccer community here in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know a lot about that, but mm-hmm. adult soccer is, is a big deal in Charlotte. And there's some very talented players here. Um, there's some very well-organized men's leagues. Uh, they offer open over 30, over 40, over 50, uh, so I, i'm heavily involved in that i was on the board of the cpsl for a while and um one of the guys i would play against um regularly like twice a season i play against a, a guy and he was involved he was a principal of a local school
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he he and i were like we we're good buddies like we i'm a Man united fan he was a liverpool fan we mm-hmm. would like, have some back and forth right and he, he, he was from ghana um uh, so he understand like growing up in Ghana and having family in Ghana he understood the idea of like accessibility to soccer it shouldn't be expensive like Africa is a growing nation in the soccer world and they have far less resources than the US obviously but they're being being successful at the national level and a yeah. lot of the top players in the world are now African um, descendants so mm-hmm. but Eddie and I were chatting and I was, I was talking about I'm thinking about trying to do this thing but we have zero money at the time, literally zero. Um, I was the coach and I was just chit chatting with him and he donated his field. He was like, listen, use my use my school field and get as many kids as you can out there. And it started from literally a generous act like that. Like you can have access to this field. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's become, we have very affordable, uh, we're actually renting the local town of Waxaw fields for this spring. Um, yeah where we, again you t- you tell the local government what you're trying to do for the community and it comes back to you and it's we've had very affordable again it's not going to be beautiful turf facilities yeah. um, but it's a it's an area of grass where kids can play soccer and you you'll be amazed like a training session on turf that's structured with coaches and that's great and you get the talent of players improved which is huge for development but a big part of what our story is as a club is more about just understanding what soccer is as a um, as a sport. Like the mm. fact that it is like a religion to so many people. The fact that you can go, I always say about my two kids, like I don't care how good my kids are. Like, I have a daughter who's a talented player. My son's okay. But mm. I, do, I do say to them both, like, I do want you to play soccer. Like, not because D1 college, not because I want you to be a pro athlete, nothing like that. More because... I know what the game did for me. I know I want you to travel when you're older. And I know no matter where you go in the world, if you know soccer and can talk soccer and understand the the, the nuances of it, like we just joked about the Mitre soccer ball in the background <laughs> of your... That, that kind of stuff will take you a long way. So our rec program is very much based on not formal training. We're not going to teach technique. It's more about the kids arrive and I give them the access point to say go and play if you want to go play 2v2 over there go at it if you want to go have a game of world cup go do it if you want to play heads and volleys in that goal go play it if you want to have a full 11 v 11 game great and just teaching them more the the pickup style like street soccer style of how the in my opinion the 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 best players in the world do develop anyway
0: wow yeah i mean that all sounds really good i uh I don't know it's just kind of impressive to me like how you guys kind of built things up are you still doing the rec side though i know you said it was like yeah, the so beginning
1: it, yep yeah so it started as the rec. uh covid hampered the rec yeah. program a lot because we we're relying on like mecklenburg county fields was a big part of it and like all of a sudden they it become it becomes more stringent um but like i said the the local town of Waxhaw um offered us a facility and we're going to start 19th of march so i'm excited to get the the word going there so we'll get that get that kicked up again and again that stemmed a lot of our competitive players came from this original rec program we also do a lot with um i don't know if you're familiar with project 658 Mm -hmm. uh, oh wait a bit yeah 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 so they they have like a they do a lot in the soccer community especially for like refugee kids and um we have a bunch of those kids come out and play friday night rec and it is tremendous to see just the the spectrum of children that come out age-wise ability-wise Race-wise, like background-wise, wealth-wise, it's like they're all in this one melting pot. And when they're together playing, the keyword there is they're playing, and they have they have so much fun. And it's easily easily the highlight of um, my my work week. When I finish on a Friday night and I go over and do the rep program, it's it's amazing.
0: Wow. So. You mentioned before that you have three teams in the Champions League, and the Champions League's been kind of flexible with you getting started. How does that work? um, Having three teams, like, do you kind of just pick the best, like, sort of age group that fits, and uh, or have some younger kids playing in there as well? How does that work?
1: Yeah, so we, I knew, um, so I moved to Charlotte six years ago, Mm -hmm. and I, when my son was my son turned four, uh, so we got him involved in the local YMCA. Uh, just from like getting involved in rec soccer. Yeah. And I had a I had a core, I, I volunteered to coach and I had a core group of kids, like four or five kids on my first ever YMCA team, which is just random assignment um, that were all born in the same year. And after a year or two of coaching them, at the Y, I, was, I would mention to the parents like this: this little set of boys here, like that's a that's a special talented group, mm-hmm. um, and they actually are the core group of my current Mavericks squad now. So mm-hmm. our 2010 boys team was always set kind of from from years ago, starting at the YMCA. So that one was like the starting point on the competitive side. Okay. Um, the girls side, which we, we only have one boys team, but we have two girls team. And mm-hmm. this is where I go back to why the flexibility of the Carolina Champions League was so crucial for us. I mentioned to Ahmed about how we are going to struggle to fill roster spots. We don't have like we didn't have any tryouts. It was just putting a word of mouth out as to can we get enough kids to enter this league? Right. And we just enough in the 2010 age group and we've got just enough in the 2012 age group Mm. but again the roster flexibility of the carolina champions league which was unique like a lot of leagues like no they've got to be on this roster or this roster Mm. the roster flexibility meant that uh, for example my, my daughter can she can represent both teams yeah so it's nice to be able to put her on that roster and her on that roster and it just helps us have game day so um, to answer you, to, to go back to truly answer your question, we've never had tryouts um, mm-hmm. so far. We're probably going to this year because like we've we've been successful in the Champions League, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of players, have, a lot of players' have parents have seen what we're trying to do and the mission we're trying to um, achieve here. So we'll grow our roster and our our club um, for next fall. Um, but this past season was who wants to play, who's mm-hmm. going to take the faith to jump onto this. Um, new new team and again the the, ki- the kids have made us all like so proud in terms of the first two I think the first two games they got walloped like the girls <laughs> teams got the boys teams like struggle to get their footing but after that it was it was they learned to compete they, they learned that it's a step up from pick up rec style soccer and you're playing against some of the best kids in Charlotte and um it's brilliant like when they when we see the the maverick logo which is i'm trying to show a little bit. you see the maverick logo on the pitch against like the fc barcelona logo it's like it's the it's really a special moment it is yeah Um, so and the kids step up to it the kids obviously know the name of barcelona they know the name of independence when we go to the tournaments and stuff it's like that they're so excited to be competing against that level of player
0: wow so speaking of the mavericks uh i always find it interesting when a team does something other than like you know town united or town fc uh and i saw a little bit on the website about the background uh can you tell our listeners how you guys came up with the mavericks name
1: yeah so the the actual mavericks name is something that started when i was at high school Mm -hmm. so when i was 16 17 years old i was a um i was was a like a good soccer player as a youngster i played my whole life played at a very competitive level um and i was from a small town in england though i was growing up in north yorkshire a little town called Mm bedell i went to school in richmond and the 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 math teachers there um the math teachers at my high school saw that there was a core group of 16 17 year old boys who were talented footballers but didn't really have um a a quality league to go and play in for for that age group Mm -hmm. um so in, in England it's a little different. Like I like we were playing men's soccer from. Like I started playing men's soccer at fourteen right. years old, and this set of high school um, teachers basically said, "We'll we'll create a a team, and you guys are go and play in the local men's league, representing kind of our high school." And we were the Richmond Mavericks, and the 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 frame phrase Mavericks came about because we were we were different. We were the young guys, and we'd wear odd socks and things like that. <laughs> we'd do like goofy stuff, but it became a we, we got good and we started to win things. And it's just, it really has grown. The Bravix started in 1998 um, just as a small little team of teachers and students. And now it's grown. I think they've got three teams now back home. They go on tours. Um, they Um, But it's, it really is like when I, when I named this club, it was kind of a thank you to those high school teachers. Cause hmm. you know, like 16, 17, you, you can often like face a path of like, there's some, um like there's stay stay healthy stay like in line have good mentors and um or go the opposite route and these teams saw that okay we're a good bunch of kids that they want to keep on the um on the straight and narrow and it was it was easily the most fun team to be a to be a part of i went and a few a few of us a few of us from that group turned 18 19 went on to university and then we went on to play like we try to push, like we try to go up the yeah. ladder and play semi-pro and try to see if we could make it as players. And we all after after a year of playing semi-pro, we all came back to the came back to the Mavericks because it was yeah. like it was so much more fun. And I think that's like that's always been the biggest thing for me. Like soccer for me has always been fun. It's why mm-hmm. I still have close to 40 years old now. And I still play. Um, our men's team is called the Mavericks. We have an over 40 Mavericks. It's like we we want to have like a a fun environment we don't need necessarily all the best players but if it's fun you'll work that extra bit harder you'll tackle that bit harder you'll make sure you win that header because you want to impress your your friend more think you want to cover your friends back and that's always kind of been part of the the mantra of the mavericks
0: Hmm. okay well that's awesome you have kind of a connection back home and kind of paying homage to that as well and kind of trying to carry out the same mission as they you know trying to you know bring up these kids and let them have fun with soccer and stuff i think that's awesome um now I, i'm curious do you guys have any sort of um community type outreach uh, maybe outside of what happens on the field with the team
1: um not so much no it's it's very it's again we're still in our infancy yeah. i would say and but again we don't have any staff like it's it's purely a hobby mm-hmm. that a few parents give up their evenings like we'll have like a call once once a month with a core group of Lead parents that just help us. Okay, what what should we do for the club here? What how should we um, generate funds for this piece? Like, has not got any cool ideas as to what we could do as a fun uh, team event for the mm-hmm. kids? Uh, but community outreach wise, it's um, we're limited in we're limited in resources, mm-hmm. and the most important resource is time. Like, it's, it's difficult to to give up the time. Uh, mm-hmm. We know again, we know we're not truly scalable. We're not trying to be a twenty team yeah. club. just not we just want to offer a core group of kids something that's exciting and fun for them Um, and we will we will expand but it's kind of obviously COVID has hit and it's just everything's Mm -hmm. kind of taken like a little bit of a back seat for us in terms of what are we trying to do moving forward but um, we're always open to ideas though as people like hear more about us I do get like contacted by certain local businesses Mm -hmm. and want to know a little bit more about what we're doing and like sound like YMCA likes to get involved with like stories of what we're doing and how we can help there and um the more people i meet and the more people that hear about our story it's 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 really interesting to see where this is actually going to end up but
0: yeah yeah i mean it, it it's definitely a thing where really your mission kind of is the community outreach trying to get these kids into play for free uh which h- how do you spread the word of mouth with that like i mean you said the first week was six kids then 12 then 25 h- how have you guys grown uh, your awareness and things like that
1: so the one thing i say to the kids as they leave on a friday is come back next week and bring a friend that's always yeah. a, a nice start like did you have fun yes all right tell a friend and come back next week and right that's a big part of it we also have one of the parents one of the parents on our like little group that helps is like very savvy with social media um so she's she's uh, in charge of like blasting out social media um campaigns which a lot of, again a lot of parents see the facebook they see the instagram um game day is always funny like the videos that got posted online afterwards um we had a we had one guy who was a i i think you looked at our website mm-hmm. and um he a guy was a, a website developer and i i had originally done like a my own version of a website on a free and it looked looked it like looked free <laughs> very budget and it looked like we were budget um and this guy came along and was like yeah i, kn- I know how to build websites it's like so I'm hoping you were impressed with our website. That was a, that was a guy who would normally charge whatever he charges. And it was, I'll I'll do this for you guys. And it, it was mind blowing how it looked after the fact. We also had a, a guy who plays on our, um, I don't know if you might see the little two minute video. Uh, We have like a little two minute video clip. It's, it's you can watch it if you get a chance because the, um, there's a guy who plays on our men's team, our men's Mavericks team. And he owns a, um, a digital media studio and he, loves the fact that we were trying to do this uh for the kids and he grew up in england as well so he got the idea of like we we both had the story of like if if we had to pay so much for to play when we were kids we would never we would never play like it just wasn't in our family's um budget if you will yeah. but because, because it wasn't a, a barrier for us we both now are lifelong soccer uh fans yeah he came along and said your next rec practice session um let me bring my 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 film studio like my my camera guys out Mm -hmm. and they came out and they they were just filming things and interviewing some of the kids afterwards and stuff and um but then you watch the video at the end of it it's like wow like it's it's true i can't i can't help but go back to the these little generous acts have done so much for us to spread our story um and the 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 video for me was like i i I don't like to admit when i cried i i I was crying when i first saw crying and it was like it meant so much to us um and it, it was more like how well it was done how well the message was portrayed and what we we're trying to do um but probably more so the fact that someone had just taken the time and the effort it's not like it's a one-hour job of film he had to edit it it's like a it was a monster task and the fact that they did it just to ultimately help these kids just goes back to exactly what we're what we're all about
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like your club built off of the generosity of many, which oh, is awesome.
1: 100%. 100%. And it's amazing to see how generous like the community is. It really is. Yeah. Even during the hard times that we've had this past year.
0: Mm-hmm. So how would you say your club measures success both on and off the field?
1: Um. Th- that's a great that's a great question I I would measure the success of our club in terms of with my boys team mm-hmm. I did set a goal for them mm-hmm. like, I knew I had a talented group last like, well, our very first season was last last fall yeah and we had our age bracket uh, for the Carolina Champions League and I told them that my challenge to them as a set of 12 boys the girls side is gonna it's gonna take a while to grow because that was brand new and I didn't know I't I right. know nine girls. The boys, I knew, and I knew that they had it in them. And I said, like, your job is put us on the map. And they did. And mm-hmm. it was like, that for me was the measure of their success. They are talented players and their success would come in. Are they taking away what we're trying to, what we're trying to teach them as when I, when I coach them, like I like, we, we talk a lot about togetherness, like are mm-hmm. you playing together? Like I don't want just individual players. That's that's great. Like, And it's going to take certain, it's going to take a certain person a long way. But the Maverick is like that—that—that that, that brotherhood, like that bond. Yeah. So um, we have you got to be you got to be tough. You got to be together. They're the two things, and they're not the most technical group at all. Mm-hmm. But their togetherness is unparalleled. It really is. And they went undefeated in the. I think they won every game last year. And again, winning, wow. winning aspect of it. But they won every game, and yeah. it was because it was because they they felt that they wanted to do it for the club. They really did. Now we've gone up and I've challenged them even more this year because now now that I know that they can handle the league and handle competitive mm-hmm. soccer, I put them up an age bracket. Oh, wow. And we got whooped last week. We got whooped, <laughs> but they, they got whooped in a good way. Like we played a very talented Barcelona team, yeah. uh, with some unbelievable players. And it was great for my boys to see, okay, you've got the toughness, you've got the togetherness. Now let's add, let, let's add now this technical and this tactical piece to it that, you're seeing in front of you like Mm -hmm. the Barcelona team was passing it right and I'll say that the other coach it was Santiago I think his name was Mm -hmm. um he was very complimentary of our boys and like it was it was great to see two different playing styles because soccer for me has always been there's not one way to play there's two different playing styles well numerous playing styles yeah there were two different playing styles on the pitch Um, last week and it was we as coaches that's another thing I love about the league like the coaches get along with each other there's not there's a little bit you get it every now and again but for the most part most of the coaches are just there to like see the game that brought them so much come into life in these youngsters and it was such a nice battle watching these two kids two teams go back and forth with completely different styles um and it was great the other the other side of the other measure of success um I would say is just like the Honestly, it's the the joy with our girls our youngest team is the the girls group. Mm-hmm. Um, and just seeing how much fun they have. Like and I don't just say that, like they come off that pitch smiling and laughing, and they are the, the most fun set of players I've I think I've ever worked with. And that's credit to the, the coach. Like we have a, a the, the two other coaches in our club are guys that played at extremely high level, coached at extremely high level but had the same mindset of just wanting to give back. And they understand the, the team element, Like the, the technical part is great. The tactical part is great. But if you have that togetherness and that fun and enjoyment factor, that for me is always gonna be the priority. If we can make it fun, the rest will take care of itself. I always, as a player personally, I found soccer fun, which meant I wanted to play it, which meant I practiced by myself. And it's like, that's what helped me to get good. Yeah, coaches helped us a, sh- a ton. But ultimately, the the internal, intrinsic reward and finding something attractive and finding something enjoyable is what is, in my opinion, going to be the the best long term, um, development process for these children.
0: Yeah, I mean that sounds good. Um, so like with your your boys team, like winning was definitely a big factor, but not the only factor. And even if bringing them up means they won't win as often, uh, they learn a lot more. So it seems like yeah. it's a good balance of you know yeah. winning but also learning and having fun.
1: No, for sure, for sure. I, it's my as a, as a player myself, again, a lot of your coaching mentality is stemmed from your playing days. Yeah. I'm a big believer in that. And I was always part of relatively successful teams, but the best lessons I ever learned was when I got beat nine nil. When I was yeah. beat seven, it's like, oh, like these, this is how, this is what it looks like to play real soccer. I still had a ton of fun with my friends, but you would see little things when you come up against the, when you come up against the better players. Mm-hmm. And you've got that that unteachable um like we have a bunch of kids that have that un unte- that uncoachable element of like the drive that that inner drive of i want to be as good as that guy and you see it in them like when they play against these better older kids and they watch real quality soccer that the carolina champions league has it's like you see the ones that have it you see their cogs turning and like you see them wanting to just improve themselves as players so <sighs> yeah winning, winning is one part i did say to the boy again i I repeat, I said it to them last year, like, you've got to put us on the map, and they did. But mm. now we're on the map. It's like, all right, let's get that fun factor back. Not that it ever left, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but let's, let's also see now, what are these real quality players doing? Um, I think we had a, 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 a one of the boys we played against last week. I, I'd heard he might be getting involved in the MLS Academy mm. uh, with Charlotte FC. And I was like, trying to let the boys know, like, these are the caliber of players that you're playing against. When he nicks the ball off you, like what was it he was doing to nick the ball off you you can't get past him what is he doing because it doesn't look special but he's doing something special that you can't get past and why can't you get it off him so and it's it's that that uh, like directed learning if you will of be competitive be together but also be like when you're in the field there be asking yourself questions like what is going on if you give the ball away so like was that the right decision by me and i, I do put a lot of emphasis on the, the kids themselves to take ownership mm-hmm. like take ownership of your own performance it's very easy very easy to point a finger at a coach when um and i'm not saying this to defend myself i'm <laughs> saying this in, just in soccer in general sports right. in general soccer probably more so because i don't think soccer is as coach oriented as most american sports mm-hmm. um but it's very easy to point a finger at someone else when you when you lose or when you have a bad four, as opposed to the very first person you should point to is yourself and be like, as a player, what did I did I did I work hard enough? Did I make the right decision? Did I give the ball away cheaply? And I, a, a big thing we talk about with our players, and I'm, I'm rambling a little bit now. No, but got, I'm enjoying it. Got me going. Is I I say to the boys like, when we when we give up possession, is it because? is it because the other team did really well and tackled us Mm -hmm. or is it because we did something like we had bad control or bad pass and gave it to them? Mm -hmm. And nine times out of 10, it's option B. I'm like, all right. So that's something like we can fit. Like you can sort your touch out. You can make better passes. And same with defending. Like if a team scores a goal against us and it's a brilliant goal, don't worry about it, boys. Like that is, that's a talented team. Like don't worry about it. But if they score a goal because we passed it to their forward who was 20 yards out and hit it but all right that's something that that's on us like so let's point the finger at ourselves Mm -hmm. so um that's a a, a big part and and these again we're new to the competitive scene um but the the like anything the learning curve is is steep um and watching these boys like we were i I go back to that barcelona game last week like we were four nil down in like 10 minutes yeah and it was (laughs) like whoa we're playing against a quality team and, uh, but then you saw them like they, you saw them start to pick it up, pick it up. And I think we lost 7 5 in the end, but the fact that they got it back. Yeah. And if the they did, they never gave up and just battled and battled and battled. It was one of my favorite games to be a part of. It really was in terms of them as young men and players.
0: Yeah. I mean, it sounds like they learned something on the fly there being down 4 0 and losing 7
1: 5. I mean, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, I, 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 I'll, and just to jump on that again, to like, I look to, who are my leaders in the team? Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm not gonna be shouting and barking as the coach, like this is what's going on. It's like who who's stepping up? Who's the guy? Because that's what soccer has always been for me. Like the who's the guy on the pitch that just goes, right, listen, let's let's get it sorted, let's get make sure your passes get to me. Like you and starts to organize the team. And that's a that's a huge part of the game. Like that little leadership piece. Um, if I was making a professional soccer connection, like there's a the guy for me, I'm a you can see my yeah, I'm a Manchester United fan. Um can Eric Cantonau is my mm-hmm. all-time favorite. Like he's my he's my guy, and he had the flair and the charisma. But one of the most important players for Man United, in my opinion, was Roy Keane. And mm-hmm. Roy Keane did nothing fancy at all, ever, but he was the guy who made the team click. Because he was the guy who on the pitch, there was no you didn't need a coach. Roy Keane demanded so much from his teammate and could see what was going on and would fix it. And he would tell, he would demand a lot from his team. And I look for that in my, my players in terms of who's the leader, who's going to step up. You, you're never going to fall out with a teammate if they ask you to do something and work a bit harder, because you understand that all you're trying to do is help the team. That's the only thing. And there's a way to get the message across. Uh, And we, we talk about that a lot in terms of how, how, how do you talk to your teammates during the game? And are you demanding enough of your teammates? So he he would be the prime example. Roy Keane would be what I look for. The leaders that step on the pitch, nothing fancy about him, but would run through a war for you and also demands a lot of his teammates and is just keep like sees what's going on and keeps the team organized ultimately for the not for his own benefit, for the team's benefit.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean that that definitely sounds good, and uh, good that you're kind of building some of those leaders on the pitch. Um, I don't. Uh, that's pretty much all the questions that I had for you. Um, is there anything about the Mavericks that we haven't talked about that you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: Um, no, I, I think I think just one thing to I, I would like to leave it with is just like take a moment to perhaps read a little bit about our story and what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Again, I know it's not scalable. I know. I understand why soccer costs money. I get it. Like mm-hmm. I'm trying to do logistics for this club and it is hard. It is. Uh but I think if the the ultimate thing for me would be if people can take away the idea that you don't have to have like amazing like $300 uniform. You don't have to have immaculate turf facilities. You don't have to have the most highly paid co- coaches um mm-hmm. I get it, but at the same time, I I just love the game of soccer so much. Yeah. I, it's, it means so much for me that I want as I want as many people to have access to the game as possible. I really do. And I would say any of the clubs that have the ability and um, the resources to be able to offer like just playing opportunities for kids, like just please please try to because it's such a it's such an amazing sport that means so much to so many people around the world. Mm-hmm. um i can't wait for the world cup like i think like seeing this group of kids that we've got in our club now they're all that our age group is eight to ten year olds mm-hmm. so the world cup they're all gonna be 10 to 12 and i know i always reflect on my own time and so said what was it like for me at that age and i remember the world Cup, so italia 90 the usa 94 they were big big milestones for my own love of the game
0: mm-hmm.
1: i think if we as a community in charlotte can like offer as many playing or soccer opportunities as possible especially with the mls team coming it's only going to be good for the sport Mm. um so like yeah check out our website read a little bit about us and if you can give back at all to the community through soccer then please do That's, that's what we're trying to do